2: From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast.
1: If we can do that, if each one of these can really be the way that Agatha Christie did, if it can be not just in a totally new location with a new cast, but also trying something different that feels exciting in terms of the narrative, in terms of the theme, in terms of what it's talking about or whatever, it, it, I don't know, man. I don't. I, I'll, I'll keep doing it as long as Daniel and I are having a good time
2: ryan johnson is having a blast making his series of knives out movies and he's not in any rush to stop making them i'm clayton davis on this episode of the variety award circuit podcast we talk to ryan johnson about netflix's glass onion a knives out mystery as well as his future star wars output and his new tv series with natasha leone later we chat with Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne about his new role in the film The Good Nurse, which has put him in the Oscar conversation for Best Supporting Actor. But first, the Award Circuit Roundtable talks about this week's releases, including The Banshees of Innesharan and recaps the film festival circuit. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close.
3: All right. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, After one week together, clearly they had to tear us back apart. So here we are again all over the country and around the world. Not quite. I'm Michael Schneider, TV editor at Variety, along with Janelle Riley.
0: Sorry, that was the Hollywood calling.
3: (laughs) Janelle, who's like in back to back. You're, You're just moderating all weekend. You've got so much going on. Uh, Make
0: it sound glamorous. The truth is, I'm dealing with a plumbing issue at my home. That's that's why I'm so dramatic today.
3: Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a Hollywood. is a glamour business. Clayton Davis, pal. I like when you say pal, Michael Schneider, and then not your friend Clayton Davis. <laughs> well, I don't know, Clay, Clayton's uh, Clayton's brought the guns today. It's it's uh, Clay, Clayton's. Uh, uh. It's it's, it's, the, it's the gun show over at the Davis.
2: I got this from Hawaii, actually. It's a
3: Honolulu uh, jersey. Yeah, he's, he's going went. sleeveless today. So, yeah. Show, showing, showing all kinds of skin here on the. It's also because I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to be comfortable. And live from New York City, it is Jazz Tanke continuing her tour of the Eastern seaboard.
4: <laughs> Hello. Greetings from the Big Apple Live.
2: From- yeah, uh, yeah, go stop by SNL and ask them about uh, submitting for the SAG Awards this year in the comedy categories. Did yeah. they do that? Yeah, they did. Oh,
0: wow. Too bad they're dark this week or you could.
2: Yeah, which is funny because like in this whole rebuilding year, like totally would have got SAG Ensemble probably a year or two ago. Yeah. But now it seems weird.
3: You're (laughs) right. It is an odd year to decide to do that when no one knows who any of the cast members are anymore except for Keenan.
0: It's per the year. So you could go back to January through May when like Kate McCann.
3: I
2: know, which I hate the calendar, man. I love the calendar year. I I because like Abbott Elementary is going to be all season one and half of season two. I don't know how much of The Crown we're counting. It's, it's rough.
3: Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah, it is a little confusing because TV still operates on a a, a fall to spring schedule. So
0: have a word with uh, them yeah. about that, would you, Michael Schneider? We're As working on TV it. The TV was We're hot. working on it.
3: Thing things are changing, but um, no, I want to hear more about the, uh, the 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 travels. So. Um, obviously, Jazz and Clayton, you guys were at the Middleburg Festival. Uh, Jazz is heading over to Savannah in a couple of days. Uh, so but- it's Clayton. Oh,
2: you're Clayton. Going there too.
3: Yeah. Oh, so, Clayton, you've done the, yeah. the. Jazz and I are on tour right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is tour. You went back
4: home. I'm like roughing it up in New York. Yeah. Seeing yeah. all the shows with the Variety LA team. Are I you seeing a, Hugh I, Jackman I, and Music Man? Yes, tomorrow night, actually. Uh, of course.
3: Well, I do want a T-shirt. I, I think you guys should make uh, bootleg T-shirts uh, for for your East Coast tour. But uh, what did first off? What you learn from uh, Middleburg? What uh, what was that ex- experience? What did we what? learn?
2: That devotion plays really well uh, for older demographic academy. I authors,
0: keep saying I more. think people are underestimating devotion. It is a big crowd pleaser.
2: It's a crowd. It's a crowd pleaser. I, I it should be noted that Top Gun Maverick didn't play there, so I would have been. I want to see that. I want to see them side by side because, like, I'm not. Say, I'm not saying they have to be bulked together, but there's just two airplane movies that star Glenn Powell.
4: I was surprised at how many people were raving about that film all weekend. Yeah. Screen on Saturday morning, and it was just the one film that everybody was talking about. Bear in mind they had, you know, Glass Onion. They had. She said they had women talking, and that was still the film that everybody just, the whale, too.
0: And it was just,
4: oh, did you see Devotion? What do you think of it? Like,
0: wait, what? I'm telling Uh, you, it's it's a big crowd pleaser. It also played the Newport Beach Film Festival. And on Sunday, we had our 10 Actors to Watch event where Christina Jackson... Uh, was in attendance from the movie, but also Jonathan Majors was there accepting an award um, presented to him by the film's director J.D. Dillard. And people love that movie.
2: J.D. Dillard and Christina Jackson were also in Middleburg, so they were there on doing doing their rounds. And Jonathan Majors will be accepting an award at uh, SCAD this weekend. So they're just
4: making they're the going, rounds, right? They're doing
2: the play. Yeah, they're doing the playbook, and I think it's going. I think it's it's going to. I guess we'll see how well it does and like you know we, everything has to sustain for a while but you know look for it maybe an adapted screenplay because that that category is pretty thin this year and it's a good way to to reward it
4: well we also had the varieties inaugural creative collaborators award that went to ryan johnson and his editor bob Dusay who talked about their their relationship and editing and like i didn't know lupa's first cut was like three hours long and i was like oh my goodness it's
2: i feel like everyone every movie maker's first cut is three hours long plus like they they just go they go for it just in case
4: they didn't do any glass onion spoilers because it hadn't screened at that point
2: but yeah but also, I I was uh, flabbergasted to learn that it's Bob Ducey and not Ducksey, as I have been saying for my entire life. Wow. Yeah. Do oh, do you guys want to hear also the crazy thing? Talking about just name pronunciations. It's no longer, Kate Blanchett as we've been saying our entire careers. It's Blanchett. What, what?
4: Blanchett? Yeah.
2: I was corrected and say it's Kate Blanchett, and I was like, you can't do that in twenty twenty two. You could have done that in 1997.
0: Who corrected uh, you?
2: Like her team. Like it's like how people are saying t- we say her name now.
5: But
4: here's the thing: I as grow. Okay, so before moving here, I said Kate Blanchett. When I moved here, it was Blanchett.
2: Because it is Blanchett. But I mean, I, I, don't, I mean, I guess you, people. I guess it's the way you. I just feel like it's very late in the game to be like, it's Morell Streep. Like you know, just so like. <laughs> Change it this on me, and it, get, it gets me very upset. Should
4: we change our right. names?
2: Yeah. How do you want to say your name, Mike? Mikael? I was going to say Clayton. Yeah. That's
0: how Elizabeth Wagmeister says uh, it. Elizabeth <laughs> Wagmeister. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: it's my name, she puts a great emphasis on the T.
0: The emphasis on the wrong syllable.
2: Yeah. Even when I say, even when I say my name, I don't pronounce the T. I say Clayton, like like it's an I N.
0: Have you ever been a oh. Clay? Did people ever call you Hey Clay? Yeah. Clay.
2: Some people call me Clay aren't you the sea dog I, that was uh the, the my clay grade, dog eighth grade picked eighth grade uh thing i said sea dog yeah those are right. those are the good times uh but yeah no so uh, just back to glass onion and ryan johnson who is our guest uh this week and talks about an upcoming trilogy uh
3: oh what could that forever be
2: oh my god well technically knives out is gonna be a trilogy kind of right now i mean we we knew there was gonna be a third movie but i i feel like that thing's gonna go on for a while
3: um but, sadly without angela lansbury after this uh by the way chapter. i kind of was
2: that a i swear, this isn't spoiling anything, ending but was that a spoiler that angela lansbury was in the movie
0: i didn't know she was in the movie until this It moment, was a right massive now. spoiler people spoiled it i, I had
2: mean, no idea that that i thought people knew that i, I didn't I, know oh no, no no
0: today Somebody. i
2: learned the day you learn. You gonna
0: leave this in the podcast? Cause
2: yeah, I, mean, I mean, no, I mean it's it, it, I feel like it's out there already it's out that, there, it was yeah. part
3: of her obituaries and yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why it was part of her obit. Oh that's, wow. That's, wow.
3: That's why I thought it was out there. Yeah, but along um, with all those murders that she committed. <laughs> the murders that she wrote. Yes.
2: Um, no, so uh but yeah, Glass Onion played really well and gets bulked in with the populist choices that are in contention this year. And it'll be interesting to see how many populist choices the Academy will make, because there are a lot. And I think we're trusting them to go with so many, and they're sure to disappoint us somewhere.
0: Well, define um, populist. Do you mean, like, box office hits, or...?
2: I mean, box office hits and just more consumer-facing titles. So, like, Top Gun, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Glass Onion,
3: Avatar... Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, I think those were them. Right. Big franchises, big stars, which is exactly what the Oscars needs. So I know ABC and the Academy won't be mad at it. I mean, listen, if they did RRR. I mean. That could really blow the doors off that
2: place. I need that song in there. I just need to hear the song live. I don't care what. what yeah, I
0: need happening. to see the, the the dance number that accompanies that song when it's performed.
2: It has. It has to, like, you don't understand. I think it would save the Academy. Get those tigers experience.
0: on stage.
2: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, in, in addition to Ryan Johnson and just I think the movie's going to do kind of well, Um. acting placements are a topic of conversation. I'm um, starting with Glass Onion because have you seen it yet, Janelle, by the way? No, I have not. Uh, so I, I guess it's, just, it's really about. I mean, about- I didn't
0: know Angela Lansbury. Would it be awful oh, yeah, if I had really. seen it and didn't know she was in it?
2: We're losing Jazz to a New York party. Go party,
3: Jazz!
0: Bye. Look so how many jackets know.
3: Jazz is wearing right now. I by know the way. she's Before such
4: a California. It girl. is so cold.
3: <laughs> it's in the, it's it's in the fifties apparently in New York. That's <laughs> and, not cold. And Jazz literally has three jackets on right now.
4: I've wimped out. I'm sorry. I am wearing a t-shirt, which is really ridiculous, but. <laughs>
0: So let's me right. By. Okay. Bye, Brian everybody. See bye. bye. All right. Now yeah. that Jazz is gone.
2: So now that Jazz is gone. No, I, I think the big uh, the big question about Glass Onion is going to be who is who gets singled out. And a lot of movies this year have double, triple, quadruple potential dips of of who can get nominated. And Glass Onion, like Janelle Monae, seems to be like the easiest thing that people are grabbing onto. But I always feel like there's the secret choice that everyone really wants them to make. And that's Kate Hudson.
0: No, but that Kate Hudson is the name I keep hearing, by the way, speaking of Janelle Monet, because there are so few Janelles out there <laughs> yesterday, I saw, a movie <laughs>
2: but she spells her name wrong.
0: I know. Like, uh, I know. But yesterday I, I can count on one hand, how many characters, how many times I've seen a Janelle in a movie, like as a character name yesterday, there was one bones and all has a character named Janelle.
2: Who's Janelle in the movie?
0: Um, I don't know if it's sort of spoilery.
2: Oh, mom? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't think I realized what her name was. Well, I
0: just, I noticed when they open up the file and they show it, uh, it was her name. And then I think that they reference her at another point, but uh, probably nobody other than me would notice that.
3: Did they spell it the right way?
0: They did not.
2: Oh. I've heard, I've heard my name twice in, in movies. First time was in Enemy of the State because he's Adam Clayton. Dean and uh, no, Robert Clayton Dean. I'm thinking of Adam Clayton Powell, Robert Clayton Dean. And then again in Tarzan, the villain is Clayton.
0: There's a Janelle played by, I believe, Helen Shaver in The Color of Money and then in A Few Good Men, Tom Cruise says to his secretary something like, I'm off to Cuba, Janelle, or something like that. Uh, and, sh- and she has one line. It's something like, say hi to Fidel, or something like that.
2: Let's see if we ever hear michael in a Michael in a movie. There have
3: been, 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 been a few. few. There have been a few michael <laughs> A couple? <laughs>
0: michael Clayton. <laughs> a, michael, they Stein made Mike? a movie about the two of you. <laughs> michael Clayton. Look at that.
2: Look at that. Um, but yeah, so uh, along with that, with the potential standouts, uh, women talking— God bless the people that to now guide the Academy in finding out who they should vote for. It was announced this week that Rooney Mara will be campaign and lead actress, which isn't category. But we talked about the show. It's not not category. There is a lead. It's her. Yes, agreed. So I think it's fine. And I think you needed to break some of that up.
0: I think you could make a case for. Uh, rooney mara jesse buckley and claire foy all in lead or supporting but i do think that if if there's a lead it feels like it's rooney
2: yeah and i think it's going to be a little heartbreaking if at the end of the season the only one that gets nominated from women talking is ben washaw
0: i don't think that's going to happen you
2: don't think he's going to get nominated No,
0: no no i don't think he's going to be the only nominee i think that movie is going to have a few nominees
2: who, so who do you think is, who do you think gets? Who, right now, I think now
0: honestly, right now I think they all get in, but I'm very, very high on Wait,
2: that. Wait, they all, all 10 of them? Because there's uh, 10. <laughs> <many actors.
0: laughs> no, I believe Ben, Jesse, Rooney, and Claire. You
2: think, you And then think it would Rooney's be amazing
0: if we could also get Judith Ivey and Sheila McCartney in there, but, you know.
2: Do uh, you think Rooney cracks that lead actress race?
0: Right now I do. I know, I know that is a, that is a tough five to crack, but. I I adore that movie,
3: as you yeah. know.
2: I just think I, when, we, when we're when we like Olivia C- Coleman is on the bubble, that's what gets like crazy. Is like, it still just five,
3: by the way? Yeah, yeah we don't we do
2: that not,
0: TV we, thing where we just like let everybody start play.
2: adding some numbers every now and then. <laughs> everyone's a winner. Um, yeah, everyone gets nominated. Although there was like, I think there was a year, maybe like five years ago, I think there was like a... People were really
3: pushing them to expand to six.
0: Yeah, they do that sometimes.
3: Well, there've been there've been ties, yeah, right, where they do have a six. because- No, not an I, uh, there haven't been ties. There have been ties for winners, which are worse. But yes, right, there but, been but, but not ties for that six spot. I guess that's just an Emmy thing. No, too. the way they
2: the way they vote doesn't like it's mathematically pretty difficult to have a tie.
3: I don't know math. <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't, don't. That's why we're in this business. <laughs> that's why we talk about um, entertainment. None of us know math.
2: Yeah. Oh, but then the other one uh, that came out with that was, um, what are we doing about everything everywhere all at once? Because I think there's, an, a, again, a purist choice of like, we really love Stephanie Shu because I think she is. I think she's the best part of the movie for me, but I feel like there's an easy choice for them to go with. I think they're going to do Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: First. I don't know. I think Stephanie Hsu has the edge right now. And um, by the way, also one of our 10 actors to watch. She was at our Newport Beach event on Sunday. And boy, do people love her. Also, yeah. I think she's going to be my Halloween costume this year.
3: Oh, which which, which version one? though? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah specific.
0: <laughs> it, it's going to be the Elvis jumpsuit because as you recall, she has a should. pig with her. And this way, Wilbur and I can do a couple's costume. And he can wow. be my pig. And I can rock my Elvis jumpsuit. And Wait, uh, do, you, do,
3: you already, do you already have an Elvis jumpsuit?
0: I might, and I do have a bedazzler, so I am hard oh, okay. at work right now putting that jumpsuit together.
3: I Although, like, that makes like, sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, my, my costumes are never appreciated at the time. This might be the rare one that is, because people have actually seen the movie. Last year when I did Promising Young Woman, a lot of people didn't get it. They just thought I was a sexy nurse. Um, <laughs> and then that one year, infamously, where I went as Kendall Roy in his L to the OG shirt... Nobody knew who I was. And then I, I knew either. Succession was blowing up because I would get a text like every m- week from months after saying, I, I'm watching Succession. Now I understand your costume. <laughs> <and it's brilliant." laughs> I finally
3: got it. That's funny. It yeah, probably
0: but- didn't help that I went to a Marvel superhero party dressed as King oh, Roy. Yeah. yeah.
2: A- uh, actually, just speaking of Halloween, I, I need Mike, I need you to share this bad news with me. So for the first time ever, my daughter has decided not to do a family costume together with us. Oh. She's doing her own thing.
3: Going her own way. She's going wait, her wait, own wait. way. What did you guys do as a family last year?
2: Uh, we were a killer family. Uh, I was Michael Myers. She was Freddie. Jessica was Pennywise. And Noah was Jason. It was really cute. This year... Um, my daughter wants to be Lydia from Beetlejuice, Ooh! but Lydia in the red dress when she's getting married to Beetlejuice, which I thought was very odd choice.
0: No, that's a great costume.
2: I mean, I don't, I don't think people are going to get it, especially kids.
0: Kids don't like the Beetlejuice these days.
2: I mean, I just don't know if they're going to be able to, I I don't know if I would pick it out immediately be like, Oh, that's your Lydia when she's getting married. It It was very specific. I think she just wants to wear a dress. Personally,
0: if she does um, the hair, I will get it immediately.
2: So, uh, me, uh, so Jessica, Noah, and myself are doing a group costume where Noah is a fireman, uh, Jessica is a fire truck, and I am fire. <laughs> Clayton, you're always fire. I am. Um, <laughs> I'm just setting myself ablaze. <laughs> um, so just ended out with the whole double dipping talk, woman king. That's the other. Big question mark.
0: Oh, speaking of, and was one of our 10 actors to watch.
3: Very, very solid, solid list this year, by the I way. I know.
2: Actually, really good
3: ones, by the way.
2: And, um, you know... Just Dale Deadweiler in the race this year, also 10 actors. Yeah, she Watched was on last, last year. year. Yeah. Uh, it's good. So we're, we're kind of nailing it in that regard.
0: Just for anyone who's curious, this year's 10 actors to watch were Carrie Condon, Stephanie Hsu, Christina Jackson, Jimena Le Madrid, Tuso Mbadou, Zen McGrath, Amber Midthunder, Sam Navola, Jeremy Pope, and Joseph Quinn. And they all attended a great event in Newport Beach, and we ate much, much shrimp and had much, much laughter.
3: Shrimp and laughter. <laughs> I don't eat seafood.
0: You don't? Are you allergic?
2: Uh, no, I just, like, I'll, like I will eat crab cakes, and I will have a piece of calamari if you ordered it at the table. That is the only thing. I don't like the taste of the sea. <laughs> I don't like, everything just tastes really fishy. And, by the way, this is also just being a baby, it's a lot of work to eat seafood. You guys
3: have to get hammers to like, yeah. well, that's your if, if you're doing shellfish, like you're, you're very, very specific. I mean, you won't even eat like a nice piece of fish, like a blackened cod I mean, or like, something <sighs> over rice with, with, uh,
0: you're making me hungry.
3: I yeah, know. I, right.
2: I, like I had, I had fish recently from a restaurant that was actually not like I actually enjoyed. I actually liked it, but I, I typically will not eat. Seafood.
3: Wait, do you not do
2: sushi? No, I'm actually not oh. a sushi fan either. I am con I am convinced that people do not like sushi. They just want to see they're cultured. I I have tried so many times to get into it, and nothing.
3: So no, no, tastes no. Good.
0: I'm and, very and, picky and, about the sushi I'll eat.
3: And Janelle, no, no poke.
0: Uh, I'm not really a poke fan. There's something about wrapping it in that roll that makes it a little more palatable for me, but. I won't say never, but I, generally sushi is not my first choice. Yeah.
2: And I feel like everyone always then says, like, because you haven't had the good sushi from but I've really tried it so many times and I just can't.
3: I mean, there's, yeah, there is a difference. There's a stark difference between bad sushi and good sushi. So I, I can say, like, much more than say, like, bad pizza, good pizza. All pizzas, like, pretty Stop. good. D- because you're
2: not from New York, you would say such a <laughs> dumb thing, Mike. And, like, of course. There is a difference between good pizza and terrible pizza.
0: But even terrible pizza is kind of good, right?
2: See, like it's still terrible. Pizza is called Papa John's.
0: How (laughs) dare you, sir? Yeah, and and,
2: and Little Caesars. Listen, in a pinch, five. In a pinch, in a pinch, you go Domino's. Domino's and pizza. Domino's is
0: really good, and actually, they have a really good gluten-free crust.
3: Isn't Domino's, though still uh questionable politically? Like, is
0: it see, this is the thing. I, I don't know these things. Hard to
3: keep up. Yeah.
2: But uh but back to your list for a minute. I look I really love Carrie Condon and I think she's a sleep- I think she's a sleeper of a contender.
0: I don't even know if I would say sleeper. I mean, I think she's got a really good shot at a nom.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just I think that category is wide open, and I think anyone one through thirty can make it right now. Cause literally there's no front runner at all. Like I think there's a default, like, sure, Jesse Buckley, go for it but I think we honestly have no idea.
0: One of my favorite parts of the Q and A with the 10 actors to watch is I asked them, you know, what advice they would offer up and coming actors. And Carrie Condon's was don't sleep with your co-star. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also I learned Jeremy Pope did cats in high school and he was Shanks. and Joseph Quinn did um, Antigone. And I was like, what do you guys like? My high school did Neil Simon every year <laughs> for every show, what are these high schools that are doing Cats and Antigone? Now, of course, we, Joseph Quinn is yeah. British, so it makes more sense, but...
2: We did um, variety shows in high school because we couldn't afford to do any rights. <laughs>
0: well, that's how shows. I became a playwright. I had to write roles for my friends, and then we just put them up every year. So it was Neil Simon and me in rep throughout my high school career.
2: Uh, but back to Banshees opens this weekend. Finally, people are going to get to see it. <gasps> Mike, I think when I say... I feel so confident that you're going to love Banshees. I feel like it's such a Mike movie. (laughs) I'm not sure what
3: that means, but I do see that it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Is it really? a pretty good sign, yeah. That's
0: higher than, what, uh, Citizen Kane, I believe.
3: Uh, Yeah.
2: Wait, how many reviews?
3: Uh, That I don't see. Hold on. It should be right Um, under the percentage. 88 reviews. Oh, my God. 100%. Um, Ticket to Paradise is at sixty three percent. I <laughs> don't care. I'm
0: gonna love it anyway.
3: That that opens this weekend. Black Adam opens this weekend at fifty five percent. Don't care. Um, I'm gonna see it anyway. <laughs> uh, Our my future po- president. <laughs> my poli- well, which I'm kind of fine with. I, I mean, I'm all about the president. At this rock. Point,
2: whatever. <laughs> Just whatever. I can't wait for the where were you born questions because that's gonna come fiery
3: in that election cycle I could see middle America already go ahead <laughs> um, but also opening uh, My Policeman which has a 44% uh, don't care I
0: saw it and really liked it
3: I like it too like listen it's
2: the most British movie ever made like it is so British <laughs> and definitely the better of the two Harry style roles this year like he's I think he's actually good in My Policeman Um, I think People, I think some people were a little harsher because they felt like they could be. Of course. On a Harry, Harry Styles you know,
0: movie. I happened to see it before I really had much of an idea of who Harry Styles was. I mean, I knew he was a singer, but I saw it, you know, a few months ago before the Don't Worry Darling drama and everything. And I, I thought he was a very compelling screen presence.
2: Yeah. And Emma Corrin, they are incredible.
3: Like, I think they are the best part of the movie. If you do go, be sure to bring salad with your own special salad dressing.
0: I don't know what um. you're referencing.
2: <laughs> I love the headlines these days. They're just killer, I mean, man. We are, world, we are living the, in the golden is, age of headlines.
3: We, of, of everything. All right. Well, I think, I think that does it for this week. Um, so uh, I think one more week where we're all apart because uh, you'll still be down at SCAD. Is that right? Scadding scatting it up but then the following week we'll be together but uh in the meantime we'll see y'all next week bye
2: after the break glass onion and knives out mystery writer and director ryan johnson from los angeles this is the variety award circuit podcast
4: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check
2: It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery by writer and director Ryan Johnson is another uproarious take on the Whodunit series that outdoes its predecessor in nearly every way. Daniel Craig reprises his role of Benoit Blanc, throwing himself fully into the role and giving one of the year's funniest performances. It's impossible to explain what the film is about without spoiling it, so we're not going to do that. What we will do is tell you that the award for the Screen Actors Guild Cast Ensemble Prize is gonna be Cutthroat, and Glass Onion is clearly in the mix. Ladies and
5: gentlemen. This is it. You expected a mystery.
6: Get your hand off of that. You expected a puzzle. For one person on this island, this is not a
2: game. Will you explain it to us then, detective? Ryan Johnson isn't one of those filmmakers like Steven Spielberg that knew he wanted to make movies after seeing Lawrence of Arabia. Johnson's earliest memory of watching movies was The Wizard of Oz on television, which he said, quote, terrified him. However, he remembers his first movie theater experience, which was going with his father to watch a re-release of George Lucas's classic Star Wars. For many, including myself, Johnson's take on 2017 Star Wars The Last Jedi stood as one of the most ambitious and inventive films of the franchise. But right now, he's excited about jumping right back into the knives out films with the next sequel that's due out in 2024 the award circuit podcast met up with johnson at the Middleburg film festival to talk about glass onion the future of the knives out franchise and in addition whether we'll see that star wars trilogy he's been talking about for quite some time we also talk about what's next on the docket his first ever original television series poker face with emmy nominee natasha leone we began by talking about Johnson getting back on the award circuit to promote Glass Onion.
1: Yeah, it's fun. I just just ran into my friend Gina Prince Bythewood and Stephanie Sue is here. Mm. All the all the cool kids are here. All the cool kids are here. This is a cool kid uh, yeah. festival. Um, I gotta ask about
2: the relief to bring Glass Onion out into the world now that people are watching it. Because I feel like it's been the secret thing for a while and it premiered at toronto obviously but now more and more seeing it what's that feel like to finally get it out
1: it's really it's it's so much fun i mean that's that first screening at toronto um you know especially with um i don't know like starting with the last movie but then also with this one uh because these movies are really designed to be roller coasters and designed to get a reaction from a crowd Mm -hmm. um they're specifically fun to sit with an audience and, and watch. And, uh, man, it was just a blast. I'm looking forward to tonight. This is, uh, the first like festival screening I've been to since Toronto of it. So it's, it's, um, yeah. Uh, oh, well, I went to Mill Valley. We're going to, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Everything, everything's yeah. blending together now. <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah when
2: you finally uh got this uh when you were cutting it together obviously you're doing it during the pandemic um there's always this feeling that filmmakers have about you feel like the movie's never really done uh is there anything like from it that you're that you wish you had more time with or some or what we're what we're seeing is what it's from I've Ryan been, Jones.
1: Al- I mean always but I've I've been really 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 lucky in that I've I've every movie I've done I've I've the director's cut is the movie that went out <laughs> I yeah. don't feel like there was never it's it's every single every single thing in it you can you can blame me for it so
2: <laughs> Listen, I think Orion a Ryan Cut of Glass Onion if you if you want there's like a 30 minute longer version
1: of Oh no of no. some more Kate Hudson I mean there is <laughs> but it's it's not a, yeah it's, it, it it you know the it's funny, actually, being here, I just sat down and had a talk um, with uh, my editor, Bob Doucet, who they uh, they gave us this, like, collaboration award. But really, we just got to sit down and kind of talk about editing. And, um, the yeah, it's we talked about cutting stuff because it always ends up being your favorite stuff that you have to kill your babies. And, you know, yeah. that's it, inevitably what happens. But but you do it for a reason, and the movie's better off for it. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think... Uh, even if it's painful, it's it's a better movie because that stuff is gone. You know? cool. so yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, you're one that why I think a lot of people like you, why I like you so much. You love movies. Go I figure, do love right? movies. <laughs> you love really movies. really like movies. Um, it would Be weird so, if I didn't. I know, right? I mean, listen, you'd <laughs> <Movies>. be su- <laughs> you'd <laughs> be, su- you <laughs> be surprised, man. Sometimes some people act like they just hate it. And I'm just like, what are you doing here? Um, but you are. You Know this is getting a theatrical uh run uh th- through Netflix, and a, lo- a lot of people are going to see it on streaming, which I still think it is going to hold up well at home as well. Um, what, what have you seen in that um, relationship between the movie theater and streaming platforms and them kind of coexisting now
1: yeah. in this time? Well, I mean, I mean, look, and, and I love going to movies to see movies, I love going to theaters, and my wife and I we go, you know, uh, when when I'm not when I'm not crazy working, we, we go like once a week, we'll go and see what's out and we'll go and try and see stuff in the theater. And, um, I just love the experience of it and in a movie like this. Like I was saying with the festival thing, I'm, I'm really glad that people, if they want to, will have an opportunity to, um, to see it with a crowd. Cause, cause these movies are made for that. But at the same time with knives out, I think the vast majority of people probably discovered it at home, watching it, you know, with their families or whatever on streaming. And, I love that too. I mean, I remember you know the movies that kind of inspired this for me, like Death on the, the like the 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 original Death on the Nile or mm-hmm. um, Evil Under the Sun. I remember sitting around with my family, like coming home from the local video store and and uh, mm-hmm. sitting around with the family and watching it. So, um, I don't know. So, I mean, hopefully, it's best of both worlds in terms of you know the business itself and kind of the interaction of those two things and the push and pull. I mean, I feel like we're all just kind of <laughs> sprinting on top of a moving avalanche right now, yeah, sure. trying to figure yeah. out where it's all going to land. And uh, so I, I have no real—I don't know—I I can't really play that kind of 3D chess. All I got to do is make a movie I, I, I really love and and put it out there the best way that we can right now. And you know, um, but anyway, I was I was really grateful for Netflix that they because they did step out of their comfort zone with, um, you know, working with the big chains and getting it out in a way that they haven't before on theatrical. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really grateful for that and uh, happy, you know, happy we'll have we'll have a week of people being able to hopefully see it with a good crowd. Well, awesome. Uh,
2: I, it's always curious for me to know and then uh, our listeners also to know, especially people that just big fans of, of you, do you recall... Uh, the first movie that you watch as a kid that did it for you, they told you, gotta do this. This is my uh, destiny.
1: Um, gonna... <laughs> I don't, I, well, I, I mean, I, the very first memory I have is watching something on TV and I swear to God, I think it was wizard of Oz, I think. And just like the terrifying <laughs> tear that movie, terrifying me, just like deep, deep, deep childhood memories. The first movie in the theater I don't remember seeing the theater, but it was actually Star Wars. It was my dad putting me in the car to take me to go see. If I do the math, it must have been a re-release of Star Wars. Um, and uh, so, but it, it, but there wouldn't not I don't have like um, like I love the story about that Spielberg tells about seeing Lawrence of Arabia and coming out and knowing he wanted to make movies. I didn't have something like. No. I feel like it was just a cloud of all the stuff. It was just constantly surrounded by. Movies, um, many of which were made by Spielberg, that yeah. that uh, just enveloped my childhood. And just I didn't even think about making movies as a career. It was just, this is what I love, and and I just wanna you know the dead.
2: i don't know this you say we're not getting that movie about ryan johnson's childhood oh, <laughs> about would, making would, a movie be, and want no. to get into
1: movies no no it would not be as as entertaining <laughs> as <the> Spielberg's story you <laughs> know it would be very boring
2: <laughs> um i have to allow you to give a shout out because wh- one thing i love about uh glass onion so much it's a great example that uh the academy and just the industry takes for granted it's modern day amazing production design and costumes uh jenny and rick yeah. who are j- just masters and make the set pieces and the costumes like its own character essentially yeah. makes kate hudson come alive yeah. in the way i <laughs> i haven't seen in a while yeah. um talk, talk about your vision of how you wanted glass onion to look and feel uh that versus the the first uh, Knives Out.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, setting out from the script phase, it was a really conscious decision to sort of establish from the get-go that if we're going to keep making these, everyone is going to, it's not going to be a sequel to the last one. It's going to be a whole new deal. Just like Agatha Christie's novels, we're trying something completely different with each one. And the setting and the vibe of it was all part of that. It was, okay, let's go the opposite of New England cozy sweaters. Let's do a Mediterranean... European beach vacation and go in that direction. Um, But I was very, very lucky to work with Rick Heinrich again, who uh, we worked with on The Last Jedi. And he's an incredible production designer who, um, he came up working with Tim Burton and he's just, uh, he's an incredibly lovely guy and just has, um, and he also, he can balance artistry with scope in a really, um deft way and uh because we knew the scope of this movie was going to be kind of big and we needed somebody who could still communicate nuance and character through that and rick was the guy and then jenny egan who i knives out was the first time i worked with jenny and i hope i just get to keep working with her she's amazing and it was fun i was talking recently with the actors and they were talking about how um How for them at those costume fittings, that's really when... Because we don't do like a table read of these movies and we don't really do like a big group rehearsal. Like we'll all have separate conversations about it. But for them, the costume fitting and seeing what Jenny has brought to the table is a huge thing of them kind of discovering their character and like finding who they're playing. And Jenny, uh, besides just having an eye for the fabulous. And that was part of the thing of this movie too. We just wanted it to be kind of fabulous. (laughs) Every, every costume that comes on to kind of be, uh, to inspire joy and, uh, and beyond that, how she just like Rick with the scale of his sets, but the, the way that Jenny can do that and can create these kind of, uh, wow moments on the screen, but it all in the service of really sharply defining each one of these characters um because you know, who done it it does kind of have to be like the cover of a game of clue you have do have to have some personality as as distinct as colonel mustard and, mm, yeah, and right. what have you so um
2: so is rick building you a glass onion guest house right now yeah, I, mean, and, I
1: have him on it right uh, now they're, absolutely they're, they're, the they're, pool yeah. house the pool yeah, house yeah,
2: it's got it's got to be where yeah. it is <laughs> I, I, I want the house, man. Like, I just, uh, yeah. so like So that
1: place is, I mean, minus the actual glass onion, that's an actual, um, it's called Villa 20. It's a, uh, it's kind of a, it's, it, it's attached to, um, to this hotel in Southern Greece, uh, the Amman okay. hotel in Southern Greece. And it's, it's a, a cluster of like, I think it's, I forget how many villas it is. It's like eight villas or so. Um, And it's, but it's all one thing. Like you can rent this whole complex basically, Um, and it is. It's beautiful. It's 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 exactly what you see in the movie, minus the glass. Um, It's it's minus the actual onion. Yeah, (laughs) the actual (laughs) onion. But it's got kind of like an eerie sort of gorgeous design, almost like a Last Year in Maryam Bed type feel when you like wander through it. Very like it feels like a French manicured garden, like the Greek version of that. It's very. Very weird. Very cool.
2: Is there a? Uh, I, I imagine some of it's got to be visual effects, but did you guys really build that box that we see at the opening of the movie.
1: We did no. So uh, Chris Peck, who's our uh, who was our props master, he he kind of marshaled a big group of artists, and they created. And so there's not like one box that does everything that oh. it does, but. Um, Everything it does is practical and every there's no it's none no elements of it or CG. It's it's uh you know we use different pieces of different things for different things, but it's all puppeteered, it's all actual mechanical stuff doing it. And um, it was really cool on set to be like the final week of shooting was shooting the puzzle box sequence, mm-hmm. and it was so much fun. Uh, uh just kind of being down in the dirt, like doing these little mechanical slides and everything. And I think it comes through on the screen. That's why it looks so beautiful. Chris just got all these amazing folks to craft these things.
2: You give Janelle Monet two break stuff sequences, man. She has to break the box and <laughs> break the house. <laughs> uh, no spoilers, it, no spoilers. I know, yeah. but, like, it, it,
1: but like, it's got to
2: shoot. How many sh- uh, takes of those did you get?
1: Uh, uh, well, the... Um, I mean, we we you try and have as many resets as you can have at the same time. <laughs> it's right. you're kind of limited. Anytime you're breaking anything, and uh, and breaking stuff during COVID, at, yeah, at, at that, right? Yeah, exactly. But I think it was, you know, it was fun. It was cathartic. You know, <laughs> it felt good. I think
2: awesome. Uh, I mean, this is how many Knives Out movies do you think you have in you? I I, I think the <laughs> I think the initial uh reporting was that we were getting two two with Netflix. Yeah, but I don't know. If, that if you're like, you know, is that the end or you feel like nah, Benoit I, Blanc has a lot more
1: stories? Well, I mean, what what's exciting to me, I mean, I mentioned before about just wanting to kind of plant a flag really clearly with this, that it was going to be very different from the last one. And then I'm very excited about jumping right into the third one and doing the same thing, meaning having it be completely different from both this and the first one. And to me... And, man, if we, if we can if we can do that, if each one of these can really be the way that Agatha Christie did, if it can be not just in a totally new location with a new cast but also trying something different that feels exciting in terms of the narrative, in terms of the theme, in terms of what it's talking about or whatever, it, it – I don't know, man. I don't, I, I'll, I'll keep doing it as long as Daniel and I are having a good time, you know. Uh, I guess that's kind of what it boils down to. But as long as we are, I don't just keep making these as long as they let me, you know.
2: I'm glad that uh, Daniel has hung up James Bond so now he can focus on stuff that really matters, <laughs> the, the, which is true. Ben, Benoit Blanc, right? <laughs> um, so uh, obviously going through your career uh, and the movies that you've taken on, Looper. I, I do have to say this because uh, one of my former colleagues, Mark Johnson, loves Looper. And uh-huh. during that year and that Oscar we nicknamed him Looper Shield because oh. <laughs> no matter what anyone was talking about that year, he was like, Looper's the best film of the year. Oh. So I need to like just put that out there. Oh, but um, <laughs> do, you, do you have any other um, of your original ideas that weren't uh, like outside of Star Wars that you've ever – explored or thought about doing again another film for sequels or
1: anything uh, like that no it's, not really no. That, that's what's unique about this is is and i think th- this is only that because it is you know it, it is like a different thing every time like for me like luca looper for example like um yeah i didn't really think of to me what what i like about movies as opposed to um like great serialized television for example is that they are self-contained objects and that they have I love endings I love I really love endings and to me a great ending that recontextualizes the rest of the movie for you closes it off and turns the movie into kind of this beautiful self-contained object you can turn over in your hands and, and everything to me that's what I love about movies I don't get as excited about the notion of Vast world building, or serialized movie storytelling, or what have you. I think they can be great. There's there's terrific movies that have been done in that mode. But for me, just creatively, I don't know. I like I like stories that kind of start and then in a very satisfying way that finish.
2: Oh, well, that, that gave me a great segue to my next question. I, listen, this is, I'm going to state this as a fact, even though film is about opinion, but I'm going to say <laughs> this as a fact. Uh, you created the second best Star Wars movie in the entire Star Wars franchise, uh, right? And, and I say that because Empire Strikes Back is one of my favorite films <laughs> well, of all yeah, time. I so <laughs> I, I'll let you grow. You definitely are growing in estimation, but you uh, did. You made the second best. Uh, and you say yeah, you ending because it, Why I love The Last Jedi so much, it did exactly what we were asking for was ending a particular story of characters and beginning a new one. I'll never forget the moment the kid force grabs the broomstick <laughs> and losing my mind in the theater. Um, where do things stand on your trilogy? That was, to be that I was looking forward to, and I haven't received yet.
1: I haven't given to you. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, after this interview, I'll just act it out for you like, afterwards because it really for you from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? I, I look. I, I still have talked to Kathy about it, and we're still, you know, talking about it. It's still. I, lo- I had such an amazing experience during the last Jedi, front to back. It was just, um, you know, the best professional experience in my life, and um. And I love Star Wars so, so, so much. And so also just as a fan, it's so much fun right now, like with the stuff they're making now. And just, I feel like we're in a time where there's a lot of cool, cool Star Wars shit going on. But, um, but honestly, it's just, and Kathy said this recently in an interview and she put it really well. It's just entirely a matter of schedule. I mean, for me right now, you know, putting this out and then um, making the next one of these. And the, uh, so I did, the answer is I I, I don't, the, I don't know.
2: <laughs> but, you don't know but, I don't know. I don't know. But we will get a Ryan Johnson God, trilogy, I, God, I, right?
1: God, I hope so. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: have, you, have you watched Andor, by the way? Have you been watching? I I haven't had time. I've been building them. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't had time, but every time a new one drops and everybody that I know is just like, this is next level. This is like, and I mean, the Gil- you know, Gilroy's, I mean, it's like, you, you, you could have expected that, but I'm really excited to watch it. Awesome. Yeah.
2: Have you started? I mean, since we're all about timing, have yeah. you written anything for that trilogy? No, no, Nothing. No, no, no. Not not a no, lick. No, no, I've
1: been focused on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, to, I Yes. And what, this? What's
2: your computer password? <laughs> and then
1: we, can, we can jump into it, right? Uh, no, no.
2: <laughs> um, I have to ask. Did you? Because uh, this is what breaks all our hearts for <laughs> us, Last Jedi fans, is uh, seeing Colin uh, Trevorrow's ideas of what. Uh, Rise of Skywalker was going to be and how it was going to end. Did you look at any of, of those things? Did you have any conversations about what where the story was going after Last Jedi before it got kind of jettisoned? I
1: mean, no, no. I, no, and there weren't. I mean, to, to be fair, it's not like there was like a roadmap drawn out the same way there wasn't after The Force Awakens. The deal with these was very much... You know, I think I'm not saying anything hasn't been put out there already. It was very much each filmmaker coming in and kind of taking the baton from the last one, and um, uh, so so no. And the plan for me was always to make the second one, and then. And then step back. Um, uh, whoever was going to end up making the third one. So um, no, I was just bo- drop the mic and just leave. That, that was always <laughs> the plan. No, hand the mic off. Hand yeah. the mic off to the next yeah. person. And that's you know, I mean, I and, and that that's the balance that I was I was trying to ride with Last Jedi. I, I wanted it to have. I didn't want it to just end with dot 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 question mark. I wanted it to have a satisfying emotional ending. But I also was very conscious through the whole thing of setting up story elements to hopefully, you know, to, to pass on, um, pass on to the third movie. So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of, that's the job. That's the job, you know?
2: Awesome. Thank yeah. you for that. Um, uh, you're indulging and we're all excited for it and no 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 man
1: it,
2: it, it, listen Knives Out 3 please get to that quickly it's, it's right okay. now slated for 2024 ish okay. I have uh, to
1: write it uh, I gotta come uh, up with an idea you got anything uh, listen, <laughs> Tell
5: give me something I mean,
2: give me I, something I will ask if you get to Knives Out 12 I'm gonna give you <laughs> that many I just wanna be the corpse it's that's it, all I wanna be it, by the time gotta we do. get to 12 it's time to take the franchise yeah. space.
1: <laughs> to space it's time
2: uh, <laughs> what, what can you tell us about what else you're working on what uh, uh, besides star wars sort of and knives out yeah kind of <laughs> uh, what do you got what do you got i think okay. yeah, i got uh, poker
1: face so yeah this is i'm actually really excited about it. this is the first tv show i've ever made I've, I've directed episodes of other folks tv shows and but this is the first one i've actually like made from the ground up and it's uh i'm making it with natasha leone and it's um it's a it's kind of a old school throwback to sort of the case of the week mystery shows like Magnum PI or Rockford Files or Columbo it's kind of in that mode and uh it's um but it's it's with Natasha kind of anchoring the whole thing as a uh, as the main character in it, and uh, it's it is so much fun, man. It's really it's like ten episodes, and each one's a completely different mystery with new like guest stars for each one. Oh. And so we got in- some incredible actors to come in and like play killers and victims, and it's uh, it's a blast, man. We had so much fun. So yeah, that's that's.
2: Yeah. Is, is Bob uh, editing that? Bob. Video? So
1: I I directed three of the episodes of the ten, and Bob cut two of those with me.
2: So is there them. a Vegas vacation reference? In, in, oh in my I, god! <laughs> I
1: missed the chance to have War be one of the take gambling <laughs> tables in the casino because it is set in a casino. I totally blew it. Wow! Uh, oh my god! I am man. Well, now where were you?
2: I'm, dis- I'm disappointed, man. Where were you? A right. year ago? we try our best. Uh, uh, my la- my last bit to leave uh, with you is that. Uh, glass onion is a comedy something that's very underappreciated in our time and i say underappreciated because people don't take it seriously as it's funny but people don't take it seriously and there's real direction real writing real filmmaking there that's happening in glass onion what would what would your message be to people that don't take horror and comedy seriously (laughs) as cinema in this time
1: well, I don't want to get up on a high horse I feel I feel like the reality is the reason we make comedies or the reason I make these movies um, is to have a, a theater full of people not take them seriously take them seriously in terms of having a good time at them you know that's honestly the only kind of seriously I want anyone to take it I don't want the I don't want people watching it and like thinking about how much hard work went into it I want people watching it and having a blast and laughing their asses off you know so um, for me, I'd say don't worry about it. <laughs> I'd say don't don't worry about taking it seriously. Just just have a good time watching it and I'm, and I'm good, you know. That's Ryan Johnson, director of Glass
2: Onion: A Knives Out Mystery, which hits theaters for a one-week limited release on November 23rd to November 29th and then debuts on Netflix on December 23rd. Eddie Redmayne is primarily known for playing lovable and endearing characters. Think of his Oscar-winning turn as Stephen Hawking in The Theory of Everything, The Bright-Eyed Marius in Les Miserables, and transgender painter Lily Elbe in The Danish Girl, as well as his Newt Salmander in the Fantastic Beasts movies. But Redmayne is coming off a year of being cast against type. Earlier this year, he played the mysterious MC in a revival of Cabaret opposite Jesse Buckley as Sally Bowles. Both won Olivier Awards, and this week sees the release of The Good Nurse, in which he betrays Charles Cullen, a serial killer who confessed to murdering 40 patients under his care. Directed by Tobias Lindholm, with a script by Chrissy wilson Cairns, The Good Nurse also stars Jessica Chastain as Amy, a close friend of Cullen, who ultimately helped bring him to justice. Variety's Janelle Riley caught up with Redmayne to talk about The Good Nurse, and the rest of his acting choices.
6: You sort of fall into periods, I think, in your work in which you get cast because people see similar qualities to perhaps what you've done before. Um, I never am one of those actors who has the dream role. Actually, other than the MC. I would say that's disingenuous to say, because that was always a part that I dreamt of playing. but I've never had like, it's not like I want to play Hamlet or whatever. It's always about like the most interesting work for me is when directors see something in you and Tobias Lindholm, who I think is, I really did have the most extraordinary time working with him. And I think he's a phenomenal director, saw something in me. And, and one of the interesting things I think is like, certainly with like Newton, Fantastic Beasts or various, that quite a few characters I've played, empathy is a big part of them. And, and, talking to the real Amy Loughran, the character that Jessica Chastain plays, the Charlie Cullen that she met uh, on these wards was an empathetic man, gentle, kind, funny, self-deprecating. And then she met the murderer twice. And once was in this moment when she was wired and had to try and entrap him. And the other was in an interrogation moment. And so one of the interesting intriguing qualities I found about playing Charlie was actually playing this empathetic man who then weaponized his empathy to do utterly horrific things. So it was, on the one hand, actually, as you kind of said, for, for a lot of the film, it was playing the truth of the friendship, which was real. You know?
0: That is real, like because uh, I don't know if he's a complete sociopath or if he's just extremely damaged and those scenes you know with his friendship with Amy are real yeah I feel like they are but they I'm, are well I
6: okay. mean according to her they are you know she saw it as a disassociative personality it was two different people but one of the things I loved is that Christy Wilson Cairns' script had faith in the actors in the sense that there was it there was a sparsity to it that, that um and there was an anonymity to Charlie that wasn't prescriptive. And the film didn't answer why, Like, because we have this yearning as human beings when you see monstrous people to go, why did he do it? Like, why? And Tobias always described how our sort of need as human beings to find the why is to make ourselves feel safe. Because if we can go, oh, he did it because of this, Mm -hmm. then we go, oh, yeah, well, he's a monster and he's not us. And so we're not like that. Um, But actually... You can read Charlie's biography and there is, which this book by Charles Graeber is pretty thorough with, and the guy had extraordinary damage and but did some horrendous things throughout his sort of life. And there was just no way this man should have been anywhere near vulnerable people. But it was lovely to be able to, not lovely, but it was interesting to be able to do um, all of that kind of research and then just hide it.
0: Are you the kind of actor who takes your work home with you? Like I can't yeah. imagine, okay good <laughs> I'm absolutely not,
6: I have uh, two children I was going to say, kids, kids yeah. will
0: equalise everything. They do. Yeah, they're not impressed
6: Well I, I mean what what was interesting on this film was for, for again for the intensity of the subject matter uh, Jessica I've known for a few years and Jess has young children about the same age as, as my kids and Hannah my wife and I we all sort of moved over to New York and Connecticut to make the film and for as intense as the, the 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 film is, we actually had quite a joyful time making it. Um, but my family did leave for the last three weeks, which was when the going got quite uh, full on for for Charlie, and and that was a bit more, um, I suppose. I brought it home a little bit then, <laughs> but fortunately there was no one at home to have to cope with it. Yeah,
0: And it seems like such an immersive part. I'm curious, do you stay in character on set? Or you have to at least kind of stay in the headspace, I imagine? Or maybe um, not. Maybe you're
6: cracking jokes. No, I mean, I'm not I'm not a joke cracker, generally. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish otherwise you'd see me in more rom-coms. Uh, but, <laughs> Which uh, I'm comedy, pushing for, generally. please. You're pushing for? Really? Yes! Um, uh, I love a rom-com. Um, I, but I don't stay in character. Um, I don't stay in the accent. I work with a wonderful dialect coach long in advance of the thing because I have to work. uh, I'm not an easy, I'm not one of those people that can jump into accents. I have to work quite technically, but I have to do that far in advance so that by the time I'm playing opposite Jess, I can go anywhere with it. Um, I don't, I'm not a joke cracker. I'll stay in the, I'll stay in in my own kind of, Zone, I suppose, but um, but I but I love the, the I love being on a film set, and I love the different arts of it. Whether it's the Jody, the cinematographer, or the sound team, or the you know the the the, the young sort of um, assistant directors, like I love that. That's the life as well. So I enjoy that side.
0: You mentioned having children. Do they understand what you do for a living? I, I imagine they didn't come to cabaret, or maybe they
6: did. Do you know what are they? They listen to, they love, they're they pretty addicted to the music, the okay. cabaret, um, which is great until you have a four-year-old and a six-year-old walking around going, money makes That's the what? world go around the world. Go, or, or don't tell mama what you know. <laughs> you, know? you can see... Um,
0: money is such an earworm.
6: I, I love it. It but, is. Oh. But coming out of the mouth of a, s- a six-year-old and a four-year-old who have quite a nice life going, money <laughs> makes the world go around is not, <laughs> not 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 ideal. But they did... I brought them to... They love Jesse, And I brought them to... They came one day to... Before a matinee and went on stage and sort of saw the... Um, and I showed them, you know, we did a lot of filming of the workshops and rehearsals and I showed them bits and you know, I, I, that for me would have been magic as a kid to go into theatres. I found them and and they, they loved it. I wanted them to know where I was because I was pretty absent for, for, for a long time, but they didn't see Cabaret. They knew that we were making The Good Nurse, obviously, because we were all in New York. They definitely thought I was playing The Good Nurse. They may have caught a glimpse of a trailer and been pretty upset when they realized that oh, was not a good nurse. So that was probably quite traumatizing. Years of therapy to come. Um, <laughs> but no, it was... Um, no, it was... It, They've seen you
0: in things so like probably the Fantastic Beasts movies, I would think. Do you know,
6: they they actually haven't watched those movies. They've heard from friends about the fact that I'm, you know, played a wizard and, and sweetly my... My my daughter, who's six, um, got some uh, pocket money out there and went to spend it at a bookshop, and came back with a little Newt Scamander notebook. Um, you which know she she's, could have gotten that for free. I I, I didn't <laughs> want to sort of. <laughs> I mean, she's so they're so confused. I mean, I talk about. I mean, broke the, the whole sort of. It's so difficult to explain because it, as an actor, you feel like you should probably should have thought this through. Like Hannah and I should probably should have had a conversation about. It. But one day, Iris came back from school with Luke, and she was like, "So you." So you're playing, you know, you're Newt Scamander, so are you a wizard? And that's one of those moments in life in which like, partly you want to be like, cool, dad, and go yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I'm a wizard. Oh, uh, yeah, how about it? And the other part of you doesn't want to lie to your children and kind of give them, sort of, you know, set them off in the wrong direction. Yeah. So I hadn't preemptively thought of what the answer was and I ended up going, um, sort of, was my response. And my daughter was like, no, you either are or you aren't. Yes. Like, what are <laughs> So I got a coin out and did a slightly shoddy like magic trick to try and make the coin disappear and she was like okay that's good but like in that trailer that I saw you managed to like make a building disappear and that's not quite the same as you know, so I think she's seen through my lack of wizarding prowess but yeah <laughs>
0: You're here in L.A. actually, you know. Um, Am I? Yeah, yes. Am I? <laughs> Should I reveal it to everyone? <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, I was just at Universal Studios the other day where they have the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever, I've, have you ever I've, been there I've been there skies? once when we were
6: promoting the film and drank some butterbeer, which is. So good. I, you disagree. I mean, no, I don't disagree. <laughs> but it was, cu- I mean, the first three sips, delicious. Mm-hmm. But then it was literally like drinking toffee. And as much as I love it, it's too sweet for me. Yes. But I didn't realize we're there. I must um, go and see myself. (laughs) It's a very odd. (laughs) It's a very fun ride, actually. Yeah, yeah.
0: I highly recommend that. Um, So obviously you've played so many real people in real life. Um, I know you probably didn't have the opportunity to meet with most of them because they had already passed. Would you have wanted to meet with Charles Cullen if you could have?
6: Hmm. I would out of curiosity. Yeah. Um... But I didn't. I, it wasn't possible. But I also didn't think I needed it for this because there's a sixty minutes with Charlie um, Charles Cullen, sorry, and which is done relatively recently and years on from the thing. And and it's you're watching a serial killer, and and he very much has the manner of someone that is. Um, and yet actually that's not the person that Amy Lochran describes. It's a completely different human being and so I didn't know what value that would bring mm-hmm. um uh I got all the footage and um and and phone calls and you know I've managed to sort of spend quite a lot of time with the people who had spent a lot of time with him um but I, but out of curiosity I pro- I probably would yeah.
0: What was it like having Amy on set? Because I heard she was she was there and she was really involved, which is on one hand amazing, but yeah. also might be kind of intimidating.
6: Yeah, I mean, I've I've I we spent a lot of time talking to Amy before filming, so we we had a, a a friendship and a relationship. But I definitely felt for Jessica the day that she came on set because I remember the feeling of when Stephen Hawking came on set, the theory of everything, and it's just seeing them at the monitors. You go, oh god, <laughs> it's uh, um. Jess was amazing and Amy was very sensitive. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, Jess and Amy had a sort of massive hug and and then um, Amy kind of left Jessica to it. But um, it's always part of the thing, having played quite a few real people and sometimes going for something that is more realistic, I suppose, than others. Like when I did Trial of the Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin was like, you're playing my version of Tom Hayden. Don't I don't want you to go and, you know, it was very much like, play what's on the page. This is my interpretation of this uh, person. Um, Or like Lily Elba, who was, you know, with Lily, you had her and Gerda's true story. You then had a book called Man Into Woman that that Lily wrote. You then had a book that David Evershoff wrote, you know, uh, half a century later called The Danish Girl, which was sort of changed based on them, but totally changed. And then you had our script version. of the, So you're so mm-hmm. many paths removed from, not paths, you're so removed from the truth that you're playing this sort of weird, placeless thing that um, uh, as far as it's not, you feel like you're several steps away from authenticity. So I feel like each, and that that's what a script, the script and the particular circumstance sort of requires. Um, but here we were... You know, out of firstly, Tobias Lindholm as a director goes for truth um, and um, sort of scalpels out any moment that's not grounded in in the reality of the situation. And so it felt important to do your homework.
0: Do you think he was drawn to nursing because, because he wanted to hurt people or that that came about later?
6: Sorry, this is a therapy session. session exactly. I, yes. um, do I think – well, I mean, I have all my own versions of this, none of which is prescriptive. Obviously, I have no idea what Charlie Cullen did. But to give you a sense of his backstory, he was born the youngest son of um, – in in his family. His dad died in the year that he was born – he was abused by one of his siblings' boyfriends and he tried to kill that person when he was 7 years old he then tried to kill himself at 7 years old that was his first suicide attempt he was very close to his mum and his mum died in a car crash when he was 15 and when he arrived at the hospital they'd lost her body and when they found it it was c- completely disrespected as far as like not in not not well treated He then went on and passed all the psychological tests to join the Navy and he went uh, down in submarines and he was bullied in the um, submarines. Um, He had an odd manner and he was only fired from the submarines when he was found standing over the, the buttons for the Poseidon missiles. No. Yeah. He then, after that, went back to the hospital where his mother had been found – sorry, brought to, which he had had issues with, and trained to be a nurse at that hospital. So when he then started – and he did formidably, he was like top of the class – but the fact that he could, after what had happened in the Navy, go and be close to Von, and he was then in and out of institutions for years, um, more suicide attempts, and then he was always able to go back to to nursing – and and when he started you know he was in burns units and so one of the things he said was that you know they were mercy killings mm-hmm. but but well maybe that's I'm not sure it's not his right to take anyone's life but but the, the, that's one thing but very quickly these murders as the film shows he he wasn't choosing specific people he was injecting insulin and digoxin into saline bags in the store cupboards and these things these things were going out like silent bombs. He often wasn't there at the time. So I don't think I've answered your question.
0: (laughs) And also just sort of a random question, but I remember, God, I I believe it's you. Um, You have one of my all-time favorite stories about like bad auditions. Mm -hmm. It was either for The Hobbit or for Lord of the Rings.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what when I was um... trying to do the Bilbo Baggins? Yes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I basically hadn't read any, it was for Lord of the Rings. No, it wasn't, it was for The Hobbit, and I hadn't read and read The Hobbit, and I didn't know um, uh, what I was doing. And I, but I knew that I was um, auditioning for Bilbo Baggins, and I. I mean, I don't really know how to say it other than the fact that I sort of went in and they were like, and and I just went big and and did what I thought was a Bilbo Baggins voice. Which voices I've realized don't really work for me. I, I did a similar thing auditioning for Star Wars once, in which I tried to do my sort of sci-fi baddie voice, um, which in the past won me a Razzie. Uh, so <laughs> it's, I think that, that voices and me don't work that well. It's,
0: Didn't you also audition for play Miz in like some ridiculous outfit because you were shooting a movie? Um, that's I true. Remember, God, yeah. you've
6: got a good memory. I remember now.
0: Tom Hooper talking about. I was this, I yeah.
6: was um, I was filming a film with. Chloe Moretz called Hick in which I played a Texan meth addict and I was in a little Winnebago in North Carolina and I in a Stetson and I recorded myself on a phone singing empty chairs and empty tables you're right yeah in costume Oh, kind of. It was. It had to go quickly. Like the thing had to be. Good. So yeah, I. D- I don't know if I had my Stetson on, but I definitely had my sort of odd cowboy outfit. On. Wow. Yeah.
0: I think the thing that surprised me the most was that you auditioned for all these roles. I would think, you know, once you have that Oscar,
6: you. Well, just... that was that was pre. Okay. um That was pre. Uh, Oscary. Les Mis, but The
0: Hobbit. weren't you pretty established yeah. by then at least?
6: No. I'm really not. No, the thing thing that changed auditions was theory of everything. Was it? But it's interesting that it was something I've been talking about recently because the grass is always greener. Basically, like don't get me wrong, I fucking hate auditions, and I was pretty useless at them, and I get got very nervous in them. Um, But then what happens once you start getting cast in things without auditions is that day one on film is the first time that anyone's seen you do it. And there's always that thing when you open your mouth for the first time. I remember on Trial of the Chicago 7, like doing my first scene as Tom Hayden, I was absolutely terrified. You know, it was Sorkin. but I was just sitting there and it was, I was meant to be sort of cool and relaxed. And you know, I did my first take doing everything I could to try and remain cool and relaxed. And Sorkin came over and was like, great, I can see you as Tom Hayden. And I was like, oh, like, thank that. <laughs> so sometimes you kind of wish that you'd done the audition in order that they kind of, um, knew what you were going to bring rather than being like, oh, you're going to do it like that, are you?
2: That's Eddie Redmayne, star of The Good Nurse. Now in theaters, it will stream on Netflix starting October 26th. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions in key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit.